The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. The word is kind of seasonal. I can't get into the holiday season without getting a little holiday-minded. So as much as uh, it it doesn't feel very manly to confess it, I'm kind of a sucker for the holidays. In in fact, I mean, uh, we recently uh, enjoyed Thanksgiving. I am kind of the the gas of of like putting putting out the decorations, and my wife is a little bit the brakes, right? So I'm kind of thinking like, hey, are we ready to, to decorate for Christmas? No. And now my children have genetically inherited her tendency. So they've made the rule that no Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, which isn't a real bad rule because I kind of think Thanksgiving just gets kind of bulldozed, right? And it goes from like everyone, you know, doing fall decor and all of a sudden it just skips right over Thanksgiving into Christmas. So, so I'm okay with that. But so the day after Thanksgiving, you know, we get the tree out and everything and, and you get all the decorations out and you start to kind of get in that that spirit, you maybe put the Christmas music on and about 10 minutes later you want to like, you know, blow up the stereo because you've had enough. But uh, I mean, seriously, how many times do we have to hear Mariah Carey for it to be Christmas? I'm okay with zero. I'm okay with that. But there are some songs that are traditional and they're fun and they kind of sets the the mood. So I'm susceptible to that. That's a bit of a confession. Uh, So you come out of Thanksgiving we had a great Thanksgiving. It gets an A plus for family. It gets like a D minus maybe for food. We really didn't have the best Thanksgiving dinner. And that's because we had a turkey that was like diseased. Uh, we sat down and we took the first bite. And I asked my wife, was this bird organic? And she said, well, it was a non-antibiotic turkey. So I learned that turkeys are in desperate need of antibiotics this holiday season. <laughs> And I'm a, I really believe that. I mean, I seriously think I could have stepped out the front door, shot a bird, and it would have tasted better than what we ate there. So whatever these birds have that needs antibiotics, they should give them the antibiotics because it, it really does make a difference. Uh, but had a great Thanksgiving. Now stepping into the, the Christmas season here, the music and the lights and all of the decorations, it just kind of gets me in a place where I get excited. There's a couple of things that you hear about a lot over the holiday season, and one of those kind of inspires uh, today's uh, message and, and, and our, our journey through the word here. It's the concept of peace. I mean, you'll hear peace as the, the holiday season's here. It's in a lot of the music. Uh, uh, peace is involved in a lot of the scripture readings that we'll have, and, and a lot of the decorations you'll see, the concept of peace. Uh, I once had a, a layover in an airport that was, I think, like 28 hours, okay? So technically, you're supposed to go get a hotel. Like, they even have, like, patrols there, you know, because in that 28 hours, if you don't go get a hotel, you're considered, like, a transient, and they kick you out. But I managed to, to find a way to get around that. I didn't want to go. It was, in, it was in England, okay? So I was in England in the airport there, and I didn't want to go, you know, spend a bunch of money on a hotel and have to run around and carry all my luggage around. I thought, 28 hours, man, uh, I, I can handle that. And, and so, really, normally I could, no problem, in 28 hours. The only problem was it, was it was the Christmas season. And they had the same four Christmas songs on a loop in the airport because most people would only hear those songs, you know, once or maybe twice or something, and they've kind of moved on. Well, I had 28 hours... And they're not even good Christmas songs, right? 
Like that one about, like, I gave you my heart and the next day you gave it. It's not a Christmas song, you know? It's like a terrible love song. It's, it's not even a love song. It's a heartbreak song. It's a breakup song. It's horrible. I heard it for 28 hours. And then there was another one that, was, that got in my head, and, and I still to this day will find myself like, I'll bust out singing. It could be July, and I could be digging a ditch, and I'll just start singing it because it's permanently in there, and I can't get it out. That one's not so bad, though. That one is centered around peace and peace on earth. And, and really and truly, when we get into this season, that becomes a topic. I want to talk about peace and its presence in the Scripture and obviously its presence in our lives. And as we do that, here's a few things that we'll find. Uh, one, we're going to find what blesses every part of your life. Uh, your life is in, in you know, different parts. You're, you are a spiritual being. You're, you're a physical being. Uh, you, you are a soul and that you, you have a mind and, and an identity and, and who you are. In every aspect of your life, there's one thing that blesses every one of those aspects, and, and we'll find out what that is. Another thing that we're going to see is what gets God's attention. Now, I say that a little loosely, and obviously it's not thrown out there to spark a bunch of debate. The concept is we'll get to a passage of Scripture here. We'll let the Scripture speak for itself. But I want to offer it to you from that perspective, what, what gets God's attention, what he notices. And then another thing that we're going to find is what we should never do. I mean, what we just really should avoid uh, by all means necessary. So we're going to jump right in, find out what blesses every part of your life. That was the first thing on our list. We're going to just start right there. If you have your Bibles, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want to look at verse 23. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want to look at verse 23. As we get there, we're going to find what blesses every part of your life. Uh, it reads like this when you get there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved and complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Now, if we just read that verse and kind of plow through it, we might miss some really important information that's there. I mean, one, we see this, this complete blessing taking place, this sanctification, this setting apart, this work that God's doing in every aspect of our being, body, soul, and spirit. I mean, your body is, is pretty easy for you to relate to. I mean, it's, it's right here. It's tangible. You know, you feed it. It sleeps. You're, you're very aware of your body. Uh, your spirit, your spirit can be a little less tangible, and we can be a little out of touch that we're spiritual, but you are a spiritual being. And, and then your soul being your mind, you know, where your emotions and your, your thoughts and intelligence and, and all of those things exist. Uh, this is, is every part of who you are, and we're seeing that every part of who you are experiences this sanctification or this, this blessing completely all by the God of peace. It's funny to me that that's how God would identify himself in this passage of Scripture. It tells me the importance of peace, that it could have just been, you know, the God of health or, you know, the God of light or the God of love. And you could have added it to this passage of Scripture and, and it could have been about health or light or love. But God specifically identifies himself as the God of peace in this work in every aspect of your being. And it kind of makes sense to me as I begin to, to examine my own life, you know, when I start to think about dealing with issues in different parts of my life. I mean, I've got issues in different parts of my life, no different than anyone else. I'm sure you have some. If you have issues in your life mentally, I mean, would peace bring a solution? And, and for me, it would. Physically, would peace bring a solution? Sure. 
uh, if you were dealing with your spirit man, the word is very clear that we now have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And that is definitely a solution. So I see this and I see this passage of scripture as being revealing of what does this powerful work in each one of us in every part of our life, whether it's your mind, your spirit, your body, God's at work and he's at work through peace. I want to give you another passage of scripture because I just think this passage of scripture really goes well with that. And it's out of the book of Romans. It's Romans 16, 20. Now, it talks about victory, right? I mean, this next passage of Scripture is going to identify something very victorious. It involves crushing Satan beneath your feet. I mean, that's a pretty victorious statement. The passage reads like this, Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan beneath your feet. Now, any attack that the devil may be bringing in, in your life or my life, whether it's an attack spiritually or whether it's an attack mentally or whether it's an attack physically, any one of these attacks, you see God's sanctifying work in Thessalonians being uh, performed through his identity as the God of peace. You see this overcoming and this victory over Satan, the crushing of the devil beneath your feet, all coming through the God of peace. It's a pretty interesting thing to consider, the power of peace. Now, most of the time when we think about peace, we don't think about power. Rather, we think about things being, you know, tranquil or serene. But apparently, according to the scripture, peace is a powerful thing. Peace has the ability to bring solution into every aspect of your life, physically, mentally, spiritually. According to the passage of scripture that we just read, peace has the power to bring us to the place of crushing Satan beneath our feet, ultimate victory, no matter what we're dealing with and facing. And it makes sense to me that, that peace would bring these things together, especially at a time when we examine uh, specific passages of Scripture. The holiday season, certain passages of Scripture stand out more than others. I want to give you a passage of Scripture that kind of goes with the Christmas season, and it's the, uh, the announcement of the coming of Jesus from Isaiah, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 6, says, His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there'll be no end to the increase of his rule or of peace. Peace is the point of that passage of Scripture. That as the government and rule of Jesus Christ increases, so does peace increase. The more Jesus rules and reigns in my thinking, the more he rules and reigns in my actions, the more he rules and reigns in my attitudes, <clears throat> the more he rules and reigns in every aspect of my living, the more peace increases. Let me give you a passage of scripture about the, the source of peace here. Peace is a fruit or a result of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 it reveals that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, and then along with patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God's covenant in your life is identified as the covenant of peace. I mean, think about how many different ways that could be Identified. It could be the covenant of forgiveness. It could be the covenant of mercy. It could be the covenant of love. But rather, he's chosen intentionally to identify his covenant as the covenant of peace. I'll give you a passage of scripture, Isaiah 54, verse 10. The mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you and my covenant of peace will not be shaken. I mean, when you consider the language there, for us, it's a little bit poetic, but when you consider, this is a pretty violent thing being revealed. I mean, this is about the earth breaking, basically. 
everything that, that is held together that we take for granted, if all of that just comes flying apart, the one thing that will remain is God's covenant of peace. Peace makes up the kingdom of God. I'll give you a passage of scripture uh, from Romans, Romans 14, 7, excuse me, Romans 14, 17. It's the, uh, revealing the kingdom of God and what it consists of. It says the kingdom of God consists of uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can see peace has a, a very heavy presence in the scripture. Uh, here's a, an interesting thing to consider, and that's that it's, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to be right or righteous without peace. I want to read a scripture, and then I'll kind of just give a couple of thoughts on it. But here's a passage of scripture. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to James 3.18. James chapter 3, verse 18. It, it reads like this. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Once again, it's a little on the poetic side, but I, I want to just consider what this is saying. I mean, the, the seed whose fruit is righteousness is going to be the things that produce righteousness. Whether they're words, whether they're actions, whether they're attitudes, no matter what. Something that is sown that results in something that is right or righteous will always be sown in peace by those who make peace. I mean, when I consider this passage of Scripture, I, I have to ask myself, how many times have I been trying to be right without being peaceful? <laughs> and it's, it's quite a lot, actually. Whether it's conversational, I mean, and, and there's just the defensiveness where my goal is to be right or to win the argument, and the tendency is, well, the fastest way to do that is through force, through aggression, through volume, maybe being the loudest voice in the room, or maybe the scariest presence in the room, basically being a bully, which is anti-Christ. But what we see here is the only way you're ever going to do anything or accomplish anything that would be classified as right or righteous is through peace. Anything achieved outside of peace is not going to be right. It'll be accomplished through some compromised way that will produce a compromised result. I mean, to come to a conclusion because of force is, is a very unstable and insecure situation. But to come to a conclusion through peace is completely stable. I'll give you a, a passage of scripture here that, that bears witness with this from Isaiah, Isaiah 32, 17. The, the works that are right or the work of righteousness will be done in peace. Peace is a very important thing to, to examine and a very important thing to pursue in our life. In fact, that word is where I want to go next, is that peace is pursued. It's never accidental. It never just happens. But rather, it's pursued. The decisions, the choices that are made, the things that we do, the things that we say, can all be done in such a way to make room for peace to come to pass. I'll give you a passage of scripture here from Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. I mean, that passage of Scripture by itself reveals quite a bit in its opening. Pursue peace with all men. I mean, when you think about the word pursuit or pursue, it's worth taking the time to ask yourself, what comes to mind? Have I ever pursued anything? If I did, what was I doing? What does it mean to pursue something? I mean, do you realize this passage of Scripture could easily say, you know, hope for peace. 
just, just kind of hang in there and let peace kind of come to pass. But rather, this scripture is intentional in saying, pursue peace. It's an instruction or, or a, a command in the direction of peace. I've never pursued anything by accident. But to pursue something is to make intentional decisions, to make uh, intentional efforts to bring something into existence or to subdue something, to, to make it. So when I think of the word pursue, I think of crazy car chases, right? I mean, world's craziest police chases is kind of what comes to mind, where you, you see someone who is pursuing someone else, meaning they are going out of their way to increase their speed, to make their choices and decisions in their direction in order to overtake something and subdue it. And our call or our instruction as believers is to pursue peace, meaning to be intentional with our words and our actions, to make a, a, a way for peace to be not only just brought into existence, but to be uh, uh, pursued through our words, our choices, our actions, to be sought after and then established. I'll give you another passage of scripture here from Romans, Romans 14, 19. Pursue the things that make for peace and the building up of others. I can tell you, you're going to find a theme throughout the scripture here. The instruction for us to pursue peace, to, to dedicate our lives to making peace a possibility. It means surrendering the way that we think and the way that we behave, uh, surrendering the way that we posture and our body language, surrendering of, of the words that we would use or the actions that we would deliver. I'll give you another passage of scripture here. You remember earlier we were talking about things we would find. One of the things was going to be what gets God's attention. What gets God's attention? What, what's something that he notices? I want to give you this passage of scripture and see if it stands out to you like it does to me. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. 1 Peter 3, seek peace and pursue it. There's that theme again. For the eyes of the Lord are toward those righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. Once again, you see this, this connection between the pursuit of peace and righteousness. Remember before, the seed whose fruit is righteousness will be sown in peace by those who make peace. And here we see that the pursuit of peace is identified as a righteousness that God turns his eye toward and lends his ear to the prayers of those who are righteous. This is the kind of scripture that inspires an individual to begin to prioritize peace on a whole other level. Where I'm not as worried about being right all the time as I am about being peaceful. God, let me be a bringer of peace, a deliverer of peace, a, a creator of peace, a maker of peace. Let peace be the result. When I enter into a conflict, when I enter into a situation, when I enter into a circumstance, let the result be peace. So we can all come to the conclusion that peace is a desirable thing, that it's a biblical thing, that it has great results. But yet peace sometimes can be hard to come by. Uh, I recently was dealing with a couple of issues and challenges and, and really felt a little bit uh, like there wasn't peace in the situation. It's really odd, you know. I mean, you can tell when something's not peaceful, whether it might be a feeling you get in your your stomach, or in this case, I was working and, and things weren't going the way they should go and it was really frustrating to me and I started to notice when I took a deep breath, my chest felt really tight. And I just thought, well, I don't like that. 
that's not the normal state of, of peace and calm that I'm used to working in. So this new state, which, which could be defined as you know, high pressure or anxious or anxiety or something, is obviously not a very healthy state to, to be in, and, and I don't like it. I want to change this. So though we want peace and we desire peace and we know that peace brings really great results, there are some things that prevent peace from existing in our lives. Some things that, that are a hindrance to peace. And I want to go through a few of those in the scripture here. They're not in any particular order, but yet they're areas in the scripture that identify uh, some things that can hinder peace. I mentioned before the way I felt in that time of, of work, feeling anxious. Anxiety would be one of these preventers of peace. Let me give you a passage of scripture here from Philippians. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's an instruction to be anxious for, for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. I mean, this tells me that, that the anxiety that exists that's robbing my life of peace is meant to be dealt with and dealt with in a certain way. It's meant to be handed off to God through prayer and through supplication, which is an extended prayer, and always to include thanksgiving, which tells me that, that one of the doorways to peace, to separate from anxiety, is going to be gratitude. Most of the times where I've felt anxiety rise in my life, it's chasing after things I don't have. I don't think I've ever sat down and been grateful for what I do have and felt anxious. But this call that God's placed on our life to, to live a life in which peace thrives and exists and has its wonderful way will always be hindered by anxiety. And finding the way to close the door to anxiety will open the door to peace. And the way we close the door to anxiety in this passage of Scripture is through prayer and thanksgiving. Trusting that God provides, that God delivers, that God will make the solution available. Here's another thing that will prevent peace in our, our lives, and it's wickedness. Wickedness. Now, wickedness is a word that we kind of reserve for fairy tales and things like that, but it's a real thing. So I've been mean before. Can you believe that? Is that shocking to you? I've been mean before. I really have been. I've done some things that I, I wished I could take back or, or you know, maybe you were in the, the middle of a, a conflict and, and you, you said something that, that was, was ended up being destructive or cutting or, or you, you were uh, uh, aggressive or threatening physically in some way. And, and it's really ugly. It's, it's not Jesus. But then, you know, those things are all things that are just, they're bad. They're, they're not good. They, they would be considered sinful. But when you do those things on purpose, I think you're crossing over to wicked. I know it's wrong, I know it's going to hurt you, and I'm going to do it anyway. Where it's not just something that's done that's bad, but rather it's something that's intentionally done that's bad. When you start to deal in wickedness, you're not just dealing in sin or, or things that aren't righteous or things that aren't good. Rather, you're dealing in those things intentionally and on purpose. And when those things begin to be embraced and they're intentional and they're on purpose, it crosses over into a whole nother genre of, of what is outside of God's will, and it has negative results and impacts. And in, in fact, what we'll see here in the scripture is it becomes a, a, a hindrance to peace. Let me give you a passage of scripture here from Isaiah, Isaiah 48, 22. 
Now, this is like a man verse, okay? I like man verses. Man verses are like simple. We don't have to explain how they make us feel. We don't have to talk about what they might mean, but rather they're pretty straightforward, okay? So there's really no explaining this one. It kind of speaks for itself. Isaiah 48, 22, there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. <laughs> when wickedness becomes a part of life, it will be a hindrance of peace. It's important for us to identify the parts of our life, the areas of our life where we've afflicted others. And if that affliction is something that is regular, if it is a, a, a MO, so to speak, kind of how we do things, it needs to be cast down, it needs to be revisited, it needs to be surrendered to God, repented of, and turned away from. Here, here's another passage of scripture that I think goes with this concept. Obviously, we just read there's no peace for the wicked. Psalm 119, 165. It says, those who love your ways have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Well, I think it would be safe to say that God's ways are not wicked. There's no wickedness in, in God's ways. And when we do things the way that God would instruct us to do them, we will be free from or separated from wickedness. Proverbs 16.7 says this, and I think it's worth connecting to this, that when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, God makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When we refuse wickedness in our lives, it opens up the door for the peace that we so desperately need, so desperately desire, and the peace that opens up all of these wonderful possibilities of the work of God in and through our lives. Wickedness must be cast down. Anxiety must be cut off. Here's another one that will prevent peace from your life, and it's confusion. Confusion. Have you ever dealt with a situation where you felt like there was confusion involved? I mean, I, I have on a number of occasions where maybe you're expecting one thing, you get another thing, or a conversation all of a sudden takes a weird turn. It can be bizarre. And some people use confusion on purpose as a form of manipulation, a kind of a, a psychological tormenting, and, and that's a real nasty business. In fact, it falls in the category biblically of like a witchcraft. And when those things do come your direction, it's important to be able to identify them and understand that what's being robbed is peace. So here's a passage of scripture that will identify confusion and it's, it's a, a destructive place when it's in our lives. First Corinthians 14, 33, God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. So this passage of scripture is really awesome in the sense that it's revealing uh, uh, two things here. It's revealing, you know, who God is. It's revealing who God is not. And in this case, it's being offered where I think it would be very safe to, to take from this uh, that you would have one thing and it's opposite. I mean, if I were to say that God is not a God of darkness, but he is the God of light. That's, yeah, that would be like where you would go with that, Right. Uh, and, and so in this case, when we see that God's not a God of confusion, but God's a God of peace, what I pull away from that is that confusion is the opposite of peace. When confusion is, is injected into a situation or injected into a circumstance, it is there resisting peace. It is the opposite of peace, and confusion has to go. 
Now, there are ways to, to do this, and this really isn't a, you know, a, a seminar, so to speak, on how to handle conversation or how to handle hard circumstances or situations, but I think it's important to just include some practical thoughts. There are times where I will pause something because of the confusion that's present. I'm not going to be sucked into dealing with this right here, right now. I'm not going to be put in some ridiculous timeline for this, but rather I'm going to pause and I'm going to step back and I'm going to make sure that we're not making any choices or decisions out of confusion. And having that stability in your life, that right to pause, to wait, and to stop, and to just simply take a breath and eliminate confusion is really powerful. In fact, when you see someone that is resistant to that, you can bet that they're trying to push something through that doesn't need to be pushed through. And we will leave that where it's at. I want to go to the next one here. We've looked at anxiety as a preventer of peace, wickedness as a preventer of peace, confusion as a preventer of peace. Now, here's this next one. It's going to sound a lot like confusion, and in many ways it is, but I want to offer it to you because of its specific place in the Scripture a lack of boundaries. A lack of boundaries. Now, a lack of boundaries, if I were going to just sum that up in one word, it would just be chaos, which is very similar to confusion. But boundaries are an important thing. Uh, in many times when we've had anxiety in a relationship or anxiety in a situation, it would involve poor or inappropriate boundaries. If you were to step back and finally get to kind of the gateway for all of the drama or all of the issues or where all the anxiety is pouring in, you'll probably find that it comes to a point where there's an inappropriate boundary. I want to give you a passage of scripture here uh, from the psalm. Psalm 147, verse 14. God makes peace within your borders. Now you could take that psalm and you could say, well, God's speaking about the nation of Israel. And my answer would be, yep. But that doesn't mean it doesn't apply to my life. That God will make peace within those borders. The boundaries. I mean, there are some very wonderful and biblical boundaries. Some things are appropriate, some things are inappropriate. And to stay within the biblically appropriate boundaries of relationship is to open the door for peace. To step outside is to make a way for all kinds of confusion and negative results. I want to give you one last one here because this one is, is one that I want to close with. And I think it's one that everybody would deal with. And it's revenge. Things that can hinder peace in your life. We looked at anxiety. We looked at wickedness, confusion. We looked at this lack of boundaries or chaos. And then revenge. Revenge will be a hindrance to peace existing in your life. I want to give you a passage of scripture here that we can lean on for that. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 18. Uh, first of all, it starts off with an instruction, and then it, it, falls off, uh, it follows up with the, the rest of that instruction. So here, here we go with these two passages, 17 and 18, from Romans chapter 12. Never pay back evil for, e for evil to anyone. Excuse me, I want to read that again. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. And it goes on to say this, if possible, so long as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. But as long as you're able to, as long as it's possible, as long as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. 
It's going to be hard to be at peace with everyone if we're always at war with everyone, if we're always trying to bring about this vindication, evil for evil. You did this to me, I'm going to do it back to you. You hit me, I hit you back. You cuss me, I cuss you. I mean, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. That kind of mentality will never make a way for peace. At some point, somebody has to be what the Bible calls the peacemaker. The one that's willing to open up the door for peace. And praise God, there's no greater peacemaker than Jesus. He owes us absolutely nothing. In fact, he is the only one who would have the right to vindicate himself against anyone because he's without blame and we are (laughs) not innocent. But he would make a way for peace for us and yet he would call us to do the same thing here as we live out our lives with one another, so that we might be like him. Never paying back evil for evil, but as long as we're able, being at peace with everyone. And it's this that is identified in the scripture as our identity as the children of God. This is what separates you from the rest of the world. I want to give you this passage of scripture in closing, and it's from Matthew chapter 5, probably verse 9. That's Jesus identifying who we are through this action. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the sons or daughters of God, the children of God. I think it's interesting that it's worded this way. In fact, I think it's worded this way very, very intentionally. I mean, I don't think Jesus ever just speaks casually. But it's not a passage of scripture that says, blessed are the peaceful they will be called the children of God. It's not a matter of individual serenity, being willing to, you know, close your eyes and hum and just tune out all the chaos around you, but rather it's a, the ability to deal with all of the chaos around you in order to make a way for peace to exist. Not blessed are the peaceful, but rather blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be like their father. They'll be the children of God. This is the call that we have. And as we celebrate a season where peace is is confessed and peace is declared, that peace is set to be an example that we're all meant to abide by, the example of Jesus Christ, who would come and who would make a way for peace. And then who would anoint and equip you to go and make a way for peace as well. No matter what you would face, no matter what you would deal with, you carry the anointing to bring peace into any situation. You have the words to speak. You have the actions to perform. You have the attitude to deliver. You have everything you need to bring peace into whatever you might face. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do something in our lives. I want him to to reveal to us the importance and the priority of peace. And then to any of the areas in our life where there's a hindrance to peace, that those hindrances would be identified. The hindrances would be identified, that they would be released and, and let go of. Whether those be areas of anxiety, which is a very real thing. Wickedness as well, a very real thing. When we deal with confusion, and confusion you know, comes in and brings about all kinds of, of chaos in our thinking, 
or, or maybe the need for boundaries to be established in our, our relationships and in our, our circumstances. Maybe it's a need to let go of past hurts and wounds and, and no longer uh, pursue any kind of vengeance or vindication. But to open up the pathway for peace to not only just be in our lives, but operate through our lives. Uh, there's no greater minister in the room than the Holy Ghost. I want to pray and I want to trust that the Holy Spirit's at work in your heart and your mind. You're welcome to be in a state of agreement or receiving, however you choose. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you are the God of peace. We thank you that righteousness is the call that you've placed on our life. <clears throat> we desire to see peace prevail, that we might produce righteousness through everything that we do and all that we are. Will you reveal to us any hindrance for peace to flow and operate through our life? Let the presence of anxiety and wickedness, let the presence of confusion, chaos, and the desire for vengeance, let all of these things be cast away. And where there's need to make things right, let us have the courage and strength to make those things right. Where there's the need for forgiveness, let us forgive. Where there's the need to release, let us release. Where there's the need to repent, let us repent. And let there be a way made for peace that Jesus would prevail in our hearts and our minds as the Prince of Peace that his words and his instructions would ring out clear and that we might be free to bring his instruction to pass with all that we are. Let this season of peace be powerful, that we wouldn't simply identify peace as silence and tranquility, but let the power of peace be revealed to each one of us, the freedom from chaos and anxiety, and let that power be revealed in and through our lives to bring you honor and glory. We bless your name and we thank you, Father, for the perfect peace that you've made a way to bring into our lives. Let it be embraced and celebrated in every aspect of our living. We bless you and we thank you and we celebrate your goodness in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declare, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.